To what's this Dao all about? A lighthearted look at Taoism featuring Dr. Carl Totten and Todd Perry. Carl is the founder of the Taoist Institute in North Hollywood, California. Todd Perry knows a little about Taoism and is mainly here because he owns a few microphones. Now, let's learn what's this Dao all about. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to What's This Dow All About? Feeling smooth. I just want to try a different kind of intro. You know, I was do the same thing. How's everybody feeling out there? That's my real radio voice. The 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 jazz of uh, Todd. Smooth jazz. KTWV, the wave. I used to work uh, for CBS radio, and my, my desk was right by the wave. And there used to be a guy who did the show, and he was, he was great. Name... Don Burns, and he was the wind tunnel tested Sultan of Smooth, mm. Don Burns. And wow. he was one of the funniest guys I ever heard. I used to sit with him in between songs, and he'd go outside and smoke. And I'd sit and talk to him, and he'd tell stories about Vietnam and all these stories about. He, he always had something crazy story, and then he'd go, I got to go back on air. You know? <laughs> I love that guy. Uh, let's see here. So. On today's show, we are going to discuss that maybe that's why I have the smooth jazz voice here, um, the Tao of Love. Mm. Now, here's the interesting thing about this. This is some kind of Jungian subconscious thing going on with the show. Synchronicity. Yes. Somebody, no one has ever emailed us asking about love or relationships. And then one day I thought, I was thinking of topics and I thought, oh, we should do something on love and, and relationships or whatever. And then... The next day, I got an email from someone saying, could you do a show on love? You've never done a show on love. <laughs> like three days later, I got another email from someone else saying, you've never done a show on love. This morning, right before <laughs> we went to do the, do the show, I got another email. So it was like, good little stop bothering us. Okay, we'll get to it. But yeah, it was so, so love funny. Love is in the air. Uh-huh. So with that... Uh, Dr. Carl Totten, the doctor of love. Uh, so what happens is, so I got this email. Hi, Totten, Dr. Carl Totten. Let me start by saying I'm in love with your show. I've listened to every episode at least twice, and each time I listen, I learn something new. It has helped me understand myself better and the issues that arise in my life. I notice that there hasn't been an episode yet on love. Not romantic love with a partner, but also self-love. What does the Tao Te Ching say about love? I feel this is a topic we've struggled with. I've struggled with th throughout most of my life. Looking forward to hearing from you, a loving fan, Christy. Ha! Huh. Interesting. So, of course, I start by quoting the uh, great philosopher of love, John Lennon. <laughs> <laughs> he wrote a song called "Love." Yes. And he said, "Love is real. Real is love. Love is feeling." Feeling love. Mm -hmm. Love is wanting to be loved. Love is touch. Touch is love. Love is reaching. Reaching love. 
Love is asking to be loved. Mm -hmm. Love is you, you and me. Love is knowing we can be. Love is free. Free is love. Love is living, living love. Love is needing to be loved. Ah, oh, very good. Very Thank beautiful you, song. John. Yay, beautiful John song. Lennon. And a couple of years ago, I actually wrote a poem on love where I said, love is all there is. Love is all there. Love is all. Love is love. <laughs> <laughs> and then I went back in the other direction. You know, love is, love is all. Love is all there. Love is all there is. Mm -hmm. And if you center that in the middle of the page, it forms a triangle going down and going up. I call it a love triangle. <laughs> and I had that printed on posters. <laughs> That's great. My love triangle. The best kind of love triangle. <laughs> now, the other type could be problematic, as we know. Yes. <laughs> uh, and so next show is going to be on the Tao <laughs> of Menage a Trois. It's going to be the next... So, you know, I started formulating an answer for um, uh, Christy, our, our listener. I said, you know, of course, thank you for listening to the show. We very much appreciate it. And I believe, you know, I went through the entire Tao Te Ching, and I found only one mention of the word love in there. Yeah, it's strange. Chapter you, 17. It's almost something you think you read in the book, but it's not really in Once, there. One know? place. Yeah. Where he says, Lao Tzu here, chapter 17, the very highest is barely known. Then comes that which people know and love. Then that which is feared. Then that which is despised. Mm. <laughs> but the very highest is barely known. Then comes that which people know and love. So, you know, as we know, there are many, many forms of what we call love. There's parental love and romantic love and brotherly love, love for humanity, kind of a universal love, and then something called unconditional love mm -hmm. that we often talk about perhaps as an ideal. And there might be even yeah. others. People say they love uh, ice cream, right? <laughs> yeah. Or they love their dog and their, or their cat or their bird or something. So love is a concept that relates to unity, you know, that state beyond separation a sense of wholeness, if you will. There's a fondness. There's a longing to be joined in unity with the object of our attention and affection. Mm -hmm. there, uh, perhaps there's even a desire to merge into oneness in some cases. The problem with many of these is that that which we love is more accurately often a projection of what we ourselves need, mm -hmm. mainly due to a sense of personal lack or inadequacy. Mm -hmm. And then we want others to complete that which we feel is missing within ourselves. Yes. And then try to turn them into that, which often, of course, is the beginning of the end of the relationship. Yes. <laughs> uh, we often seem to greatly admire even love that which appears to be or feels like that is greater than us in comparison. Mm -hmm. you know? So I sometimes say that one definition I like of love is that love is letting someone be exactly who they are. Mm -hmm. It is holding or creating the space for someone or something to emerge into the fullness of the totality of who they are in an unconditional sense. Mm 
beyond any grasping attachments. This grand love requires two whole people who create mutual space for each other to fully become that which they are in the process of becoming. And in recognizing that quality in each the other, they realize that their union is perfect, just as it is, and just as it is in the process of becoming. Since embracing the ongoing changes in life and in, in each other is part and parcel of the mutual actualization that flows from their embracing of each the other. Few relationships <laughs> feature human beings whole enough or actualized enough or transcendent enough to create this form of formless empathy, trust, harmony, and deep caring that this describes. Much as the Tao is beyond literary description, so too is this form of unlimited, vast love without boundaries, yet equally without conditions. It's a transcendent love which is as natural and full as the Tao itself. It is multidimensional and transcendent, always present, formless, always changing, unable to be easily defined at all. As Lao Tzu himself said, the very highest is barely known. Mm. Oh, <laughs> and <laughs> barely attained. <laughs> now, like that, there is there is a lot in there. <laughs> yes. There is a lot to unpack. <laughs> so I'm going to rewind the tape about three minutes into something you hit, which I, I found to be uh, very profound, and that is that you know it's not really love if we are kind of in a relationship with something for them to fulfill some need that we can't fulfill on our own mm -hmm. um, for some something that is lacking in ourselves that you know we shouldn't it, it's going to go your relationship is going to go bad if you're looking for someone else to complete you yes. in order to truly love you have to kind of be complete in yourself yes. right or yes. i mean i mean not necessarily it's not saying that if you're not a perfected human being, which doesn't really exist, that you, then you can't love someone else. It's just that if it's coming from a place of neediness, then it's not going to be a great transaction. Yeah, I think you the know. best lovers are those who fully love themselves. Yes. Therefore, they have, to, they have something to what? Share. Mm -hmm. They have something to offer. They aren't just grasping and trying to pull in parts of themselves that are lacking and pull them from you into themselves. Mm -hmm. That type of grasping attachment is a prescription usually for failure yes. in a relationship. Um, and there's, no, there's little room for growth there. You know, be, because a person is fixed and feels fixated on what they are lacking, therefore they're trying to rip that from other people, and the other person after a while feels they're being stolen from, mm -hmm. and they aren't being accepted for who they are, only for what they can supply to you, the needy person yes. who feels empty and is now trying to fill yourself with them. An uh, interesting idea would be for those people who maybe are in those types of relationships, um, who you were saying feeling empty, empty, if you have an emptiness inside you, you're trying to fill with someone else, maybe the question would be from a Taoist perspective is to appreciate the emptiness in certain ways, right? In a weird way, we, we, we have these empty feelings sometimes, which may not necessarily be a bad thing. We just don't know how to uh, appreciate that maybe loneliness. Mm -hmm. or not, not loneliness, but being alone, which is a right. very different very thing. Very different, yes. Yeah, and, um, and I, you know, there's some people that constantly need to have other people around them, yes. or else they freak out. You know, exactly. it's like 
the kind of thing where, you know, like a guy like Elvis or whatever, you always have to have the Memphis Mafia around you constantly. <laughs> There's a lot of, like, celebrities that are kind of needy like that. Or, oh, yes. The book I was reading they about... They always have their posse. Yeah. <laughs> about Fre- Freddie Mercury always had, like, seven people around him. He had his cook no matter wherever he went. He had this guy, he had this guy. Hmm. You know, the kind of person that needs someone to hold their hand and talk to them before they go to sleep. Yes. You know, and in that way, that's kind of almost... a inability to be alone and you have to have that ability to be alone i think to then also be with somebody else yes. right so that you're not just kind of yes gra- grasping off them yes um so i i said well, further i said you know so when one has embraced the totality of who they are their own sense of self-realization and self-actualization then, since they really no longer need much they're in a position to give much yes <laughs> As St. Francis said, it is in giving that we receive. Love is a state of acceptance of self and others exactly as we are, and they are which allows the continuous unfolding as to who we and they are in the process of becoming. So it's open to all potential. Mm -hmm. And on this planet, this form of pure love is very rare and very precious. Mm -hmm. So I said thank you for this great question, and thanks again for listening. So, you know, I guess the, it, love is not just an emotion, but an action, a doing, mm-hmm. right? Um, love is in how you behave as much as in how you feel about someone. There's many ways where you can feel very emotional about someone and feel that kind of emotional connection of love to someone, but really not be there for them, mm-hmm. right? Um so I think it's important for people to see, too. There's almost some time where people don't necessarily even have to have the emotion of love to act lovingly, right? Mm. Which is, I, and I think lots of times we, we feel that we need to be in line with both of those things in order for something to be a true act of love. Um, but sometimes you could be very angry at somebody <laughs> and still do something loving for them, right? You know, there's a well-known book called uh, Love is Letting Go of Fear. Mm. Love is letting go of fear. Um, Because, so on the flip side of love is animosity or hatred or just not caring, maybe. Resentment. Resentment. And often what people seem to resent or hate, if you look, dig deep enough, are aspects of themselves that they can't tolerate, that mm-hmm. they haven't accepted. So they project it out to the world, and they find something or someone out there that they hate that is a split-off projected aspect of themselves that they have not integrated. Mm. And so that's why, again, the Taoist way is always, as uh, Lu Tung Pen, our Taoist immortal said, turning the mirror around to look at the self because if if we're looking outside for reality we're going to miss the fact that a lot of that is just a reflection of what we either see or can't see or don't like or like about ourselves mm-hmm. and there's things that we and it's all attachment you know we're attached to what we like what we quote love, and we certainly are attached to what we hate. Yes. <laughs> because we can't get rid of it. <laughs> and so what do we do with it? We find it out there and someone else, demonize them and, and go invade them. <laughs> yeah. And try yeah. to take them out. Now, uh, I, I, when, when, when I think of my life, it, 
in times when I'm kind of put putting love first. If you you know if you think like in your interactions with other people, in your interactions with strangers, in your the way you assess people whose behaviors you don't like, uh, all all these things. It's hard for me to always obviously put love first and make the loving decision or the loving action. Do you know of any kind of behaviors or mental states or things we can practice in order to kind of Mm -hmm. act loving first versus reacting selfishly to things or, you know? There's a couple of things that I like to do. First of all, a Taoist is curious. Yes. And so anything within ourselves and about and around ourselves that we don't know really a Taoist approaches it with curiosity. And once you, be, once you get to know something or someone better, mm-hmm. then you begin to become interested in them. That interest can lead to appreciation, caring, love, if you will. Mm-hmm. You know? And so developing a curiosity for what's around us is, a, I think, a, a nice entryway, pathway into expanded states of love existence and awareness. Mm -hmm. Another is, of course, what's the biggest thing around us? Mother Nature herself. Ah. And so so this exercise, I do it every day. You sit in quiet meditation, Mm -hmm. and then you think about some place on the earth that you already absolutely love. Maybe it's a place that you've been or a place you've always wanted to go to. Maybe you've seen it in National Geographic. Oh, look at that place. Oh, that's lovely. I want to go there someday. Mm -hmm. So the exercise is to completely visualize and imagine yourself in this place in nature. Totally feel love of this place, the sounds, the smells, the colors, the whole scene of nature. I hear the birds chirping, or the water flowing, smell the flowers, you know, just be in love with this place. And then in your heart, you send all of your loving feelings down to Mother Earth herself. And you wait for this feeling of love to be returned from you, from Mother Earth. Remember, the Earth is alive conscious being Mm -hmm. in itself and she's our mother everything we have comes from mother earth everything Mm -hmm. and so when you send your love your appreciation for earth to the earth and then the earth sends that back to you your whole energy field becomes completely filled with an incredible feeling of satisfaction well-being it's like everything is just is such it yeah. just is. And you know a feeling of complete oneness with the Tao. Mm. And then the rest of existence, kind of represented by the heavens above, as above, so below, heaven and earth, the Taoist always talked about, right? Mm. So you look, you look up at a night sky or imagine what it looks like to see the, the moon. You look up, the sun is up there, the planet, the stars, the galaxies. It's that cosmic vastness is awesome. And so turning our attention to that aspect of the expanded reality, we'd feel the same sense of love, and we send that up. The ancients called that Father Sky, Mother Earth and Father Sky. Mm -hmm. And then Father Sky, because that's our other primal source, sends that feeling back to us. Now we have the true trinity on Earth, Mm -hmm. heaven, earth, and us. 
right? The divine father, the divine mother, and us, the divine child, are in love with each other, mm -hmm. feeling the wholeness, the completion, the satisfaction of being at that zero point where we don't need anything because we have everything already. Right. And it's, it's a state of consciousness where all the barriers just dissolve and you feel completely satisfied because you know, you know. Right. And you have experience of that knowing. Mm -hmm. If we walked around in that state, uh, this earth would literally be <laughs> unrecognizable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> unrecognizable. And, and, and for one thing, uh, like many of the native people say, indigenous people say, we would realize that since the earth is our mother and this is our home, earth is like a garden. And what do you do with a garden? You tend it? You tend to it. You nurture it, right? Yeah. You keep it beautiful. What are what is modern greedy man doing to the environment? Destroying <laughs> it. Yeah. <laughs> Quite the opposite of that, yes. And so th that being one with the Tao, with all that is, leads to, I think, a natural uh, taking care of ourselves, others, and the environment so that everything can fulfill its true nature which is to simply just be, right? just be. Now, uh, our, our listener, she talked a bit about self-love. And I, how does one, you know, coming from a psychological background, everything, uh, how does one come to that point of, uh, obviously every person's different, right? Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of people like me, personally, I beat myself up constantly over every little thing, <laughs> you know? And I feel guilty about everything, you know? <laughs> I... I, I, I'm a self-flagellator, I guess one would say. Mm -hmm. And so how does one get beyond that kind of feeling and just, you know, give yourself a break and practice a little self-love? You're like the monk in the Da Vinci Code who, who took the, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that whisk and beat himself yes. until he was bleeding. <laughs> That's, that is me on a daily basis. <laughs> Meditation helps me from doing that as much, yeah. actually, but... Because well, I think a lot of people are that way. A lot of people that are wonderful people beat themselves up or dislike themselves in many ways in which they I shouldn't. Know, I know. You know? And how, how, do, how does one get and, out of and, that and cycle? And it's as if they can't even see, in many cases, their own very positive attributes. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody will say, this is a great person. We love this person. But you ask them how they feel about themselves, quite the opposite. Mm -hmm. Instead of seeing all of their attributes, they see all their shortcomings. <laughs> right. And so their focus is, seems to be like in the wrong place in a way. But, but the only way to – see, there, there's many approaches to try to, quote, change. You know? I think the best way is love. If there's something in yourself that you don't like, do you think that just by wishing it away or trying to beat it out of you, so to speak, so to speak beating yourself up – is that going to transform it? No. 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 Paradoxically, what does transform it is love. Mm -hmm. if, you, if, you, if there's parts of yourself that you're uncomfortable with, you feel guilty about, you have a sense of shame about, you feel it is wrong, not right, the first stance is you have to create space for that to exist. It exists for a reason. Mm -hmm. The reason usually has to do something with uh, teaching you something about yourself, others, or life. Yeah. And so by embracing it and embracing its message, its lessons, 
by loving it, it loses its attachment. It loses its power. And so, therefore, the parts that you don't like, having lost their the attachment and power, therefore their hold on you, yeah. now frees you to embrace the totality of all that you are. And, but you have, as an individual human being, have what? Free will, free choice. So now you can choose those parts of yourself that you want to put out there, that you want to actualize in your life and in your world. And these other parts, because now they've lost their, the, 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 this, this kind of negative hold they had on you, they start to lose power. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like a balancing. You know, as you lift this part higher, the other part automatically, without you having to do anything, becomes lower. It's, it's lost its energy. It only had energy at, when it was either unrecognized or you were using it to beat yourself up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then it had power. Right. You know? But once you embrace it, you can let it go mm-hmm. and let the flowering. Remember, nature always moves towards wholeness and completion. And when we align ourselves with that, so do we. Right. So do we. So these... These, so as we begin to flower and grow and, and become more transcendent and self-realized and self-actualized, there's a whole lot less to feel bad about. <laughs> right, right. It's lost its power. Right. And so by loving it, you took it back to zero mm-hmm. and allowed yourself to simply grow. And that's a, that's a very important lesson. And uh, so that the sitting in this quiet meditation, finding those areas of yourself to openly embrace the parts that you're uncomfortable with. Uh Love it, and it won't need to be there as much. Well, it's like the douses in embracing your own calamity. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. embracing your own shame and embracing right. your own... I think it was chapter 13 yeah. is about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we, we have to... You, 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 it's hard to get rid of something by just wishing it away. <laughs> I don't think that ever works. <laughs> I just, you know, try, it's like trying to beat the devil out of someone, you know. Yeah. That's the hard way. <laughs> There's another way. Yeah. So, uh, uh, so going into um, <laughs> talking about relationships, now obviously as someone who's done therapy for many years, what, what are the positive things you see when you see a couple come in? What are the what are the characteristics of a positive good relationship that you see? Like what's the you know cuz maybe sometimes people are in bad relationships cuz they don't know what a good one looks like. True. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, and now of course if they had a great relationship they wouldn't be coming in. <laughs> that, okay, yeah. So you only um, see So so I, I I my my audience is kind of a self-selected, you know. That's true, yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. People re- unfortunately people rarely go see a psychologist when they're feeling terrific. I wish you would out there. When you're feeling great, come here. I'll make you feel magnificent, even greater. Right. <laughs> but we take it as it comes. Uh, generally, again, you know, there's a lot of projection going on. People are seeing in their partner that which they dislike in themselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, of course, they're, they come, they're coming from a, a position of neediness. They, they, they feel that they're empty inside in some ways, and they have projected this other person to be their savior. Yeah. And, of course, when they can't be that, animosity arises. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes they, that leads to them starting to look elsewhere right. and they get involved in uh, 
outside affairs. Right. Well, we know what that's going to lead to. <laughs> the love triangle you were the talking love about triangle. earlier. Love triangle in another way. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, I, I have people do kind of like they say in AA, a fearless self-inventory. Who are you? Mm. What are your? What do you like about yourself? What do you love about yourself? What do you dislike about yourself? What do you love and like about your partner? What do you dislike about them? Mm -hmm. you know? and, and how do all of these kind of four dimensions, as I just framed it, relate to each other? <laughs> now, now, if, if this person you're having trouble with seems to be really representing aspects of yourself that you have equal trouble with, Maybe by owning it within yourself, you'll have less need to project something that you need to grasp from them. Yeah. They, then they will feel more appreciated because now they feel that rather than you constantly trying to take from them or criticize them or push them into a, a, a box, a hole, so that they can be only that that you need, now you've given them freedom to actually become the person that they are in the process of becoming. A person like that can help you in your growth towards wholeness as well. Mm -hmm. So it's like by embracing the best of each other, you allow the best of each other to come forth and into being. Mm -hmm. Whereas it seems that too many couples bring out what in each other? Not really? the best, yeah. the worst. Mm. They bring out the worst in each other. That's a relationship headed right off the cliff <laughs> towards failure. Yes. <laughs> Very good. And so it's like by owning the yin and the yang within and without, that creates the space for everything to just be. And then it's a matter of you know, what's natural. Is this, is, once we can do that, is this couplehood a, a natural thing? You know, It's like you throw some seeds out there you know, certain ones will grow. Mm -hmm. Is this a seed that's destined to just grow? You know, if yeah. so, it will. Yeah. And if not, it it, it just won't. Right. And there's no, probably nothing, not much we can do about that, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, you know the, you know, just try to improve on making a flower grow. You know, it just, either it's going to grow or it's not. You know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> but we can create the conditions, right? In terms of the soil, you know, the air. You know the nu the nutrients, mm -hmm. and uh, sometimes even in order to make um, plants and crops grow, what do we need to feed it, irrigate it with? Right? Fertilizer. Fertilizer, right? <laughs> this really, so ever tell that to a couple. This, this relationship needs more fertilizer. <laughs> but we're talking about owning and embracing those parts of yourself that you would disown. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of the fertilizer, if you will. Yeah. yeah. But by owning it it actually can help the relationship grow. Yes. By projecting it or disowning it or denying it, you know, w walking through a relationship in denial is a, a prescription for failure, I guarantee you. Now, going to yin and yang, mm -hmm. in which a, a very simplistic look at yin and yang says it's like opposites, right? But it's, it's much more complex than that, right? Yeah. But is, is it, do you believe that, is it, because my wife and I are pretty much opposites, in many different ways. She's more kind of an introvert, kind of, and I'm more of kind of an extrovert. She's more anxiety-ridden, and I have like zero anxiety. We're like, <laughs> we're, we're, we call each other OCD and no CD, because she's kind of obsessive and perfectionist, and I'm kind of not. 
<laughs> you, you know, and L- so, laissez-faire. <laughs> yes, I'm very. The the great thing is, I'm I'm never gonna be judging her in any way. She could do whatever she does. I don't criticize her. She can get away with murder. Me, I'm constant, and that, you know, and that's probably when it comes to. We're projecting parts of ourselves mm-hmm. that we don't like. Mm-hmm. I'm very susceptible to guilt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, you're hard on yourself. I'm hard on myself. So my wife has found a willing partner because <laughs> she can criticize me. And then it, it's like, good. Well, I felt like I probably needed that on right. some level, right? right? So that would be an unhealthy aspect of our relationship. But in a weird way, it is very much yin and yang in that there were, <laughs> we are kind of opposites that – hopefully in a positive way versus mm-hmm. a needy way, help mm-hmm. each other out. But do you think that as you know, someone who's seen therapy, do you think, is, is it opposites attract or is it that like attracts like? You get me? Well, both. Uh, and and, and, and bo- that can happen both ways, in healthy ways and in unhealthy ways, uh. I think. You know, if you have like attract like, yeah, you can have two alcoholics who attract each other because they feel comfortable with each other's pathology. Yes, <laughs> I can put up with yours but, if you put up with mine and we won't say anything. But that's not a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, you do have people, if you talk about uh, what Carl Jung talked about, right, extroverts and introverts, kind of like maybe your relationship, mm-hmm. as you just described. Yeah. The extrovert actually benefits perhaps from someone who is not quite as extroverted as they are because now they have a a place to kind of express themselves. Yeah, you have room. (laughs) They have room, space. Yeah. The introvert who's kind of inside of themselves benefits by having someone who can kind of draw them out. Yeah. So that they, their self can be uh, accepted uh, in 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 a larger context than just within, mm-hmm. and so if it's a healthy balance, that can work really well. It's only when it's at the extremes, ninety ten, that one person is going to be oppressive to the other, and the other person is going to just not be giving them what the other side what they need. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the extremes. That's why Dow. Is called the watercourse way. That's why if you look at the yin and yang symbol, there's a curved line that embraces each. And there's a there's a spot of dark within the light and light within the dark. They interpenetrate each other and help complete each other by accepting all that each has to offer in balance, mm-hmm. in measured balance. But again, if it's really extreme, it's not going to work. It will yeah. create more problems then rather than have a field that is generative, it becomes an oppressive field that restricts growth. Mm -hmm. And uh, the only thing that grows is pathology. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, Which is a sick model of relationship. Right. One that, of course, is all too common. Oh, yeah. You, you, You scratch the surface of a lot of families out there, and all you see is dysfunction and pathology. Mm-hmm. You know, you see abuse and neglect and abandonment and cruelty and on and on and on. Yeah. That leads to all sorts of trauma and dissociation. So now the next generation is experiencing what the previous generation did. As the Bible said somewhere, the sins of the father are visited unto the son. Yes. And, well, the pathology of the father is definitely visited unto the children. And uh, so... By turning the mirror around, as we do in the Tao, we're able to reflect the totality of who we are and, and love it both into existence 
and out of existence by the parts that are out of balance, that are pathological, that aren't really contributing uh, towards the growth of the organism, can begin to let go. Mm -hmm. The hooks can let go. Because ultimately, remember, we at one level, we, at a quantum level, we are all connected. But there's healthy connection and pathological connection. Yeah. And uh, uh, discernment is important. We need to be able to discern that which is working and that which is here just because old habits die hard, but it really isn't working. Yeah. We need to differentiate between the two. That's the nature of the Tao. Nice. Well, speaking of the Tao, <laughs> uh, I've got a chapter here from the Tao Te Ching, uh, chapter 39. Oh. And uh, I picked that one because it's about unity, which I think, you know, in relationships, right, in the, in the b very basic sense, they're about unity and people coming together. Chapter 39. Mm -hmm. Yes. All right. These things from ancient times arise from one. The sky is whole and clear. The earth is whole and, form, and firm. The spirit is whole and strong. The valley is whole and full. The 10,000 things are whole and alive. Kings and lords are whole and the country is upright. All these are in virtue of wholeness. The clarity of the sky prevents it falling. The firmness of the earth prevents it from splitting. The strength of the spirit prevents it from being used up. The fullness of the valley prevents it from running dry. The growth of the 10,000 things prevents them dying out. The leadership of kings and lords prevents the downfall of the country. Therefore, the humble is the root of the noble. The low is the foundation of the high. Princes and lords consider themselves orphaned, widowed, and worthless. Do they not depend on being humble? Too much success is not an advantage. Do not tinkle like jade or clatter like stone chimes. Mm. Mm. Yes. Yes. The earth is whole and firm. The spirit is whole and strong. The valley is whole and full. The 10,000 things are whole and alive. How beautiful is that? Oh, yeah. How beautiful. All these are in virtue of wholeness. Wow. Wow. And as a result, things are prevented from falling, from splitting, from being used up, from running dry, from drying out, you know, prevents the downfall of the country, right? Mm -hmm. See, so wholeness, you might say, is the antidote to almost all the ills of the society and of the world. Right. You know, it's only when you have a whole, the sense of wholeness, which, of course, is connected with... It's a balance. The wholeness is a balance, not, you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. not just... Something being thick or filled. No, it's a balance. Yeah. yeah. It's multidimensional. Yeah, within, within I mean, that, that, that is the nature of the, of the Tao. Mm -hmm. Is that exactly? And uh, as a result, see, the, there's very little striving or grasping or attachment that needs, that needs to be done. Yeah. See, all of those things come from a lack of wholeness. Mm -hmm. an absence of balance, you know, then a person feels they need to grab onto something because they feel like they're lacking something. Yeah. And the best way, by the way, this is, you know, the book and the movie, The Secret, The yeah. Law of Attraction, mm -hmm. the best way to attract something actually is to imagine it's already here. 
because at some level in this quantum universe, it is already here. Mm -hmm. And so by feeling, thinking and feeling uh, mentally, emotionally and physically as if this thing that you wish to create is actually already here, you actually download it into being. Mm. <laughs> Wow. Uh, the the only trick, the only caution, is that this feeling, uh, mental, emotional, physical, has to be in the heart, not the, the mind, the brain. Yeah. The, the, many people have made the mistake of doing it in the brain, because the our brains are polarized. That's the way they come off the shelf, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> Whereas the sacred space of the heart that I was talking about, remember this unity being in touch, this unity consciousness yeah. with heaven and earth, that opens up the sacred space of the heart. And then in there, you do all of this attracting what you want into being. And it will never come back and stab you in the back because you will, you will wind up getting exactly what you want and need and not what you don't, didn't want and didn't need but didn't see coming. That comes when you create out of the brain. When you create out of the sacred space of the heart, out of the brain you get Frankenstein's monster. Is yeah. what, you're, what you're saying. Out of the heart, you get exactly what you need. No more, no less. I, I like in here what says, "When the kings and lords are whole, the country is upright." Yes. It, meaning that when we have, let's say, leaders who have personality disorders or something like that, then it's going to wreak chaos. Yes. But when our leaders mm -hmm. are those. Um, in authority, and I know we spoke recently about how we, we should not cede much authority to leaders, mm -hmm. but, but the, the leaders that we do have, um, the funny thing is, it seems like actually having a leader that is whole almost feels like a rarity. Because whenever mm. you get like, you know, big political figures, there's a certain sense that um, people who aren't whole and fulfilled tend to be the, those are the most ruthless for power and acceptance. Yes. Right? So those are the people you end up getting because yes. those are the people who rise to the political ranks. Yes. Or in, in the world of religion. It ends up being that whenever there's a guy who's a big-name preacher or whatever, guess what happens? <laughs> he always ends up being a crook uh, in, in some way. And I'm sure there are some that are not. But, you know, uh, so it's like this lack of wholeness empowers a lot of people that we put into authority. Yes. And it's the rare person that is whole that is in, seated in that position. That's why, again, I go back to the 60s. Remember, I'm a child of the 60s. Uh -huh. That's when I grew up. And the hippie saying <laughs> in the 60s was, who are you, man? Where are you coming from? <laughs> okay. Where are you coming from? And if you're coming from a good place, if you have a good heart, you may make mistakes here and there, but you'll correct them because you're open to feedback. Yeah. Right? And you have, you have others' well-being in your heart, and you, you'll, make, you'll make it good. Whereas if you are ruthless and selfish and stingy mm -hmm. and basically a crook, you can't be trusted, Right. obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, and as the Tao Te Ching said, you know, about trust, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, those who, who have no trust, because those type of people have no trust, therefore they can't be trusted. That's right. You know, you can only trust someone who has this sense of alignment with the Tao and the sense of wholeness within themselves, which comes from being aligned with the Tao. You can take that to the bank, so to speak, the bank of life. <laughs> or as a person who is corrupt and has no sense of ethics or honor, 
uh, you can't trust them as far as you can throw them. That's right. <laughs> Such is the nature of the Tao. <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah.